Oh, your body, it's Andy here, and as you can see, I've got uh, Rich Embers and John. Another okay. another uh, conversation with atheists, or uh, atheist conversations, let's say. Um, and I need some water. Yeah. Uh, John, yes, you've got John, an excuse. Yes, you've got an excuse, though, this time, yes. haven't you, John? Yes, I have. I'm positive <laughs> COVID. Positive yes. COVID. Oh. I'm, I'm glad you're at your end. Yes, I'm glad it's not a computer virus. But, yeah, uh, yeah, this is socially but, distanced. <laughs> <laughs> but on a serious note, John, um, get well soon. Hope that, um, you know, the self-isolation and um, the precautions that you're taking uh, and you'll be better and fighting fit soon. So thank you, actually, for joining us from uh, yeah. from, from your sick bench, as it were. <laughs> Dragging you on here. Um, yeah, so t- today we're going to be talking uh, about indoctrination. And uh, there's a lot of talk about religious indoctrination and uh, uh, what sort of effects it can have on people. But we're going to talk about something more specific today, which is going to be the indoctrination of children uh, in religion. So who wants to kick this off? Um, I'll start that because... Uh, I'm a lifelong atheist, but I was christened in a Methodist church. Uh, I didn't have any say in it, unfortunately, <laughs> being a few months old. Um, and then when I was old enough, every Sunday I was sent to Sunday school at the Methodist church. Uh, and it had no effect on me whatsoever. It never, never has. I've never been religious. doesn't matter what you do to me. I will never, ever become religious. When I was seven years old, I was expelled from Sunday school. Uh, and I'm not good. At, that, that is quite an achievement. I'm quite proud of it. Oh, go I'm on. Not, we want to hear. No, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you why. Uh, but I, I was expelled from that. and uh, got on with, with atheism after that. But the point that we've made before on other podcasts is that all children are born uh, without belief. Always atheists. Obviously, they don't know they're atheists until they grow up and find what the term actually means. Is something then has to happen, and it's usually indoctrination through their parents if they're growing up in a religious family, or they've been sent to church or a church school, and they've been indoctrinated by preachers, uh, teachers, clergy, whatever. Pick pick your denomination, uh, and. If that is allowed to continue, it's very likely that those young, many young people will grow up uh, as being indoctrinated in that particular religion. If they don't, if their parents don't don't in, intervene, which they should have done in the first place. But if you're also living in a religious family, the odds that you're going to be uh, religious as you grow up before you get into your teens and maybe adulthood, and you actually understand what these concepts are. Uh, you're very likely to, to, to be religious. I know a lot of people come out of that later in life and actually think about it, but the seeds are set, uh, and many people never come out of, of that at all. So this is a thing that's actually done to children, uh, and that's the big problem I have with it. And in fact, actually, in the UK, we, we actually have a serious problem um partly due to our lack of separation of church and state, of churches invading their way into our secular schools. 
Um, you know, I, I remember I remember the local vicar coming in to take assemblies. I even remember us being carted off. Um, and this was not a church school, but we were sent to the, the church over the road. We, we did our school plays there. We did our, you know, we did a nativity play, um, we, which we also performed there. And every now and then we were taken over there for a some sort of service. Um, and I, like you, Embers, I, I've, I've never really been religious at all. I've, I've never been a believer. I actually found those things as a child incredibly boring, uh, which, um, which, which didn't help. But that's not really the point of the conversation that we're having today. It's, it's, the, it's the embedding of this unquestionably, you know, this unquestioning sense of religiousness that's embedded into children at that young age, um, you know, by, by, by their parents um, who themselves would almost certainly have been indoctrinated themselves. Um, but it was, um, it was, you know, the, the old phrase, there's a, it's been attributed to a number of people, this phrase, but uh, you know, give me a child until he is seven and I will give you the man. All right. Ignoring the slightly, uh, the incredibly sexist, um, uh, nature of that quote, but it is a very, very old one from hundreds of years ago. Um, but the fact that adults mold children and they can be molded into severely faulty thinking, um, which can then affect them for the rest of their lives. And we see that. And, um, you know, in a few podcasts later, we're going to be talking about um, evidence and the nature of evidence. Um, but it can act as a blocker to thinking, a blocker to actually accepting reality. Uh, um, and that's why it is so dangerous. Um, you know, if you, if you can indoctrinate people to wholeheartedly and unquestionably believe something that is clearly ridiculous, that is where we end up with lots and lots and lots of problems in society. Um, so childhood indoctrination is incredibly insidious. It's also incredibly, incredibly subtle, and sometimes it's not subtle. But um, the whole idea of the existence of church schools, again, church schools themselves, I, I just find that um, an abominable concept that churches should be um, involved in the education of children. Because it's not, it's the miseducation of children. And with our current Archbishop of Canterbury, <coughs> excuse me, who is the most evangelical Archbishop of Canterbury that we've had, certainly in my lifetime, and his cohort, the, the Archbishop of York. But these two, having noticed the decline in the Anglican Church over the past century, they're determined to, to fight a rearguard action. Oh, they're uh, desperate. They're yeah. desperate. And, and this, this is um, causing them to entrench in their faith schools. And we've had a couple of governments who've actually encouraged the formation of faith schools, paid for by the state, I should say. You know, mm. these are not private faith schools are one thing. You know, you can't stop them. You wouldn't want to. But having state-paid schools being faith-assigned, that 
that's an abomination, as you said, Rich. Mm. And these, um, go. these two guys are now trying to backpedal by getting into using their faith schools to get at young children more than they have been in the past. Yeah. Um, I have a bit of a mere culpa, actually. Um, it is confession time. Um, forgive me, my brothers, for I've sinned. Um, during my time as a school teacher, I actually taught in a faith school. Um, I taught in a Catholic primary school. I was only there for a term. I was on. A t I was there temporarily. Um, I'd done a couple of days there, and they liked. They liked. They liked me as a teacher, so they they um, they brought me in for a term to do maternity cover. Um, and I remember two of my students, year threes. So the this and ironically, it's this is the year in a Catholic school where um, the children have their uh, first confession and their confirmation. And two of them came up to me one playtime, and they asked my advice about the correct way of making the sign of the cross when they enter the church. And there's me. I mean, I am still an atheist at this point, although I wasn't as militant as I was now. But this is actually an event which started me on the path to being a bit more militant as an atheist. And the only thing I could really say to them was, just do it the way you think is right. I'm sure that that will be fine. Um, when what I really wanted to say is, don't bother, it's a load of old crap, but... Um, which is probably uh, uh, which probably would have cost me my job, um, and to be honest, it's not a position I would ever be in again because it's highly unlikely I'm ever going to teach in a Catholic school again, mm. um, because I, no, I I don't work as a school teacher anymore. Um, but um, that really it, it fed into me the fact that these kids are taught in that school that this is a legitimate activity. This is this is an activity that actually has an impact. Um, on on the real on the real world, and it's a meaningless gesture. Um, in a in, you know, it, it 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 is. It's just totally meaningless. It doesn't matter. It's not something that's real, and it's not something that's important. But these kids have been taught that it is that it's central to their lives, um, yes. and worse than that. Um, you know, if they if they can get it wrong, it could condemn them for all eternity. And I mean, it, it's just, it's just, it's just, ah, oh, it, 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 well, it makes me angry. But, um, and, you know, my own complicity in that is not lost on me um, because of that time when I was involved in that. And, um, and I even got, when we were inspected, my RE lesson was, uh, which obviously was following the Catholic curriculum, scored um, uh, a very good rating. Uh, and the an inspector came up to me afterwards and said, um, that was really good, but I, I've been told that you're not actually Catholic. And I said, no, I'm not. I said, well, you did that really, really well. And part of me wanted to say, oh, thank you, because obviously this was a formal inspection. But part of me was thinking, have I actually done the right thing here? <laughs> Um, well, while we're on confessions, I too taught very briefly in a Catholic school. I'd actually retired, but I was picking up odd bits of work, you know, uh, because you know you can you can do cover and short periods of 
replacing a teacher who's gone on maternity and stuff like that. Mm. And so I was doing science in a Catholic school. And the thing that sticks in my memory most about it was the guy in the next laboratory teaching away there. When the bell went, he tried to get the class to stand and say the Lord's Prayer at the end of a chemistry lesson. Mm. To, to give the kids their due, they all got up and walked out. Of course, bell rope. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then... Also, one of the, I think the things that's really interesting is the number of people that go to these schools and end up rejecting it, which is so yeah. in a lot of cases that indoctrination doesn't take. Mm -hmm. And what, what I would be really interested in is why is it that that indoctrination works in some kids' minds and why it doesn't in others? Um, that might that might be that might be a question for our resident psychologist. Well, I think that needs to be in, re reinforced uh, at, at, at home. So, if yeah. children are hearing about these things, let's let's say in in, in the school setting, as you've just been talking about now, um, and they go home and they discuss that with the parents, uh, and the parents don't refute any of that, mm. especially if the the parents are of faith themselves. And reinforce you, it. You can see how that that's re reinforced. But if the parents allow their children to actually question, uh, what what do you think about that? Um, you know, could could that that be true? That you know is uh, very helpful to engendering critical thinking. Yeah, there's one mm. thing being taught something at school, but if you go home and your parents don't show any interest in religion, don't go to church on Sunday then it, it's not going to happen, is it? You're not going to take it. It'll be something for other people. Incidentally, there's, there's a, a theory about why parents send their kids to Sunday school. Well, I can, I can answer that because I started start that off, didn't I? Um, let's just say uh, most times when I, I went to Sunday school, I came back and uh, my parents looked a bit dishevelled. Um, <laughs> and... Every every few months after that, I seem to have another sibling. <laughs> that, that, that's my version. Mm. See, that's not... that... so I was, I was just going to say the one, the one thing that you can you can sort of understand the way uh, indoctrination is a sort of necessary part of religion. Mm. Uh, they've got to get kids young, and they've got to get it implanted very quickly. Uh, yeah, because um, I mean, I mean it, most most adults would never believe this nonsense if you told it to them for the first time after they've reached a certain age they they just never believe it they'd laugh at you yeah because I mean, I, as I, we've I said say, i often say things like you know uh, you know if you if you if you pulled people or didn't tell people about religion whatsoever and um uh or didn't tell people about god and all those things until they were sort of say 16 or 18 or something like that they just look at you like you're mental Mm. Uh, so they've got to get to. They've got to. You understand why they've got to get to children early. I mean, mo most religions start around about the sort of sevenish. Um, mm. When I mean, it starts earlier than that, but it's you know it, serious indoctrination really starts around the sort of age of seven. If you look at the different religions, um, mm. starts around about sort of that age, and that's a. And it's you know we we know that's a uh, psychologically a very very good age for children to start comprehending what they're talking about or what they're thinking about or what's being told to them 
Mm. So it is. It's it's not just indoctrination. It's the 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 concept of it is quite insidious because they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're trying to achieve, mm. and to get some, to get children at that that sort of age to start try to get them to buy in to this concept of religion. You understand why they do it, but um, I mean, both me and John have spoken to uh, Dr. Daryl Ray um, in uh, Recovering from Religion, which we spoke about in the last one as well. Um, but when I spoke to him about that, I've, so I've got friends of mine who were indoctrinated and have suffered. Um, uh, a good friend of mine was a Jehovah Witness who got brought up in the Jehovah Witness uh, side of it, um, which I think is even worse in some ways. But it has affected him. It's affected his is the way he views things, um, and can be quite detrimental sometimes. And I'm, I've spoken to quite a few different people from different religions who are now not in religion, and the thing that they talk about quite a lot is that they they talk about it as in the words of abuse. It, it was it was childhood abuse what they put me through, and I, and because they realized that their parents were lying to them. Mm. They realized that the, all the people around them were uh, misguiding them. But I said, well, I said to to, to Dr. Daryl Ray, I said, do the parents know what damage they're doing? And, you know, the the answer was obviously a pretty obvious one, which is no, they don't know what damage they're doing. They don't realize they wouldn't damage their children on purpose. In fact, they think they're helping. They think they're helping. So they wouldn't damage their children on purpose. So when we talk about this sort of subject, I don't want to be, I don't want to be standing here and saying um, that uh, parents are abusing their child, knowingly abusing their child. I think what what happens at the other end of that, what, what the, the consequences of it all are is that they come out a lot more damaged psychologically than they went in. And I think this is one of the things I'd like to get over to religious parents who are thinking about this, pushing their children into their religion, is have you thought about the actual consequences of your actions? Mm. Now, if you're in a very, very light religion, uh, like I was when I when I grew up, I, I, I was never abused in that way. You know, my, my parents, basically, you were Church of England, go if you want, don't go if you don't want. It's... It, it didn't really matter to them, but we know that most most religions were a lot stronger than uh, they're a lot more um, integrated into culture, integrated into their their, their societies, uh, whatever that society is, whether it's you know um, the Catholic, Irish Catholic, English Catholic, or you know British Catholics or um, Islam or Judaism, you know, those those sort of things are really, really quite strong and they're indoctrinated very early. And I don't think the parents understand what the consequences are going to be. But they don't mean to do it. And I think this is the one thing you've got to, you know, you've got to sort of get over in this is that we're not just having a go at parents for indoctrinating their children. It's it's not their fault. They don't know what they're doing. Because they were indoctrinated themselves, and as we said before, they think they're doing the right thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 it's abuse to not do this. I mean, uh, a great a great example. I remember I have I was um, having an argument with um, uh, a family member. Let's just put it that way. And they and I was talking about the fact that I didn't. 
believe in God and I thought it was all nonsense. And, you know, I, 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 um, I said there was no reason to believe that any of this was true because when you actually think about it, it doesn't make sense. There's no evidence for it. And they turned around and they accused me of being indoctrinated mm. and accused me of being brainwashed into not believing it. And I said, no, what's happened is I've actually thought about it and asked genuine questions about the things that I was told when I was younger. Some of it never made sense to me in the first place. Um, you know, for example, I remember um, when I was in school, uh, primary school, um, we were taught scripture classes. And again, this is not a church school. It was an ordinary um, state primary school and once a week we did scripture lessons and we were taught and it was Noah's Ark story and I sat there and I thought this just doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense in any way shape or form the idea of firstly murdering the entire planet apart from one family and how do you repopulate the planet with just one family you know, uh, it, it, you know, it, 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 it just did not make sense. And um, it was during those sorts of lessons that I started realizing that some of these things were, were, were not true. Uh, and there was another lesson that we had, and this was actually history class. And we had a history class, and we would, it was uh, Richard III and the Princes in the Tower. Now, nothing to do particularly with religion, but... Um, we were told about the story about um, Richard III ordering the murder of the princes in the tower. And then the teacher said, but there is a theory, or there is a hypothesis, sorry, um, historically, that actually Richard III may not have been involved in it at all. There are some historians that don't think he was involved and that... Um, it was done by one of his own minions who never told Richard that he was going to do this or that he had done it. Um, and that Richard III himself had nothing to do with it, but we don't know. And there are different, there are different historians that question the standard narrative. And that's when I, that's when I started to learn about critical thinking the idea that there there might be a standard narrative, but not everyone may agree with it. Different people look at the evidence in different ways, and um, and you can question the narrative that you are being fed. Now, Rich, this is the whole the whole point of I think of uh, an atheistic view of the world. You know, mm. it, we, we call ourselves atheists, but basically we're, that's just like a tiny little part of us. You know, a lot of mm. the stuff that we talk about when we're offline, it's mm. not about atheism. It's not about God. No. You know, it's about what, what do we know that's true? Or how do we, how do we get to the truth in the best way we possibly can? And all mm. we've decided is that religion and belief in a supernatural um, being is it, not... It's, it's not the answer. It's the path to truth. You know, no, I want to know what's actually real. I want to know, you know, that, that to me is more exciting than mm. anything else. Now, mm. if you want to go down, you know, esoteric religious 
ponderings through philosophy and things like that and and come to some sort of decision that there must be you know a sky god that created things and and looks after everything and looks after you and me and all that sort of stuff if that's mm. what you want to do you can do that but i think for a lot of us you know we're, we're atheists by default rather than atheists by design if you know what I mean. <laughs> we don't we don't we don't go into it and say okay yeah. what do i want to be do i want to be an atheist or a theist yeah you know, atheism is a conclusion at all it's a conclusion to a question yeah, it's, it's, and, we've, and we've gone through a, a thought process and, and and just come up with actually religion probably and God isn't the really the answer. It's just a, such a lazy answer. Wouldn't it be great if you could actually find out what is the actual answer? Yeah. Now, we don't know everything. You know, the, 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 you know, the scientific world doesn't know everything and it probably will never know everything. If science but, knew everything, then it would stop. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It wouldn't be fun anymore. To quote Doro Green. So, yeah. so really, that's the whole point of it. It's like you know, the, you know, this is why in, you know indoctrination of children from an early age gets Ooh. my back up because Ooh. it's it's basically telling them to stop thinking, Ooh. stop thinking. It's all been answered for you. It's God. And yet, and yet, if you go to some of the the um, certainly the Catholic Church do this a lot. They say. But we encourage thinking. We we are the centre of learning in many European countries. You know, we have these great Catholic universities across the world, and there are some very, very, very prestigious yeah. um, centres of learning that are run by the Catholic Church. Um, you know, uh, but and and they say we encourage this, but actually they encourage it in such a narrow framework. I mean, we were talking the other week about the Trinity. You know. There are there are libraries and libraries and libraries of deep thoughts on on the subject of the Trinity. Um, he, he says in scare quotes in these Catholic universities, and I think that's thought wasted because they're starting off from a flawed premise in the beginning, and it's that initial premise that they're taught not to question. Is but. When it comes to the fine detail, yeah, think away, you know, um, explore. This is, this is why, this, for me, it's, it's why it's so important, right, for me to sort of try and get people to sort of say, okay, it, whatever age they are, you know, to say, look, if you really want to understand some of this stuff, you know, to understand that what, you know, the nature of reality, the existential concepts, you know, if you want to understand about these things, then you've first got to become atheist, You've got to put aside assumption and presupposition. You have to put aside those things. And then you start thinking for yourself. Now, if through that route, through your life, you come to the conclusion that there is a God, mm. I've got no problem with that because you've gone and thought about it. You know, As far as I'm concerned, I'd have a great conversation with you. Mm. But if, if that's the, the route it's taken and you, then you decide that there's a God or there's some sort of supernatural being or this spirituality or whatever it is, mm. then I've got no real problem with that. I, my biggest problem has always, always, always been indoctrination of children stops them thinking. It stops, it stops them thinking critically about what it is. Because as soon as they start questioning their own religion, they are told by their parents, their preachers, their imams, or whatever it is, that they're thinking wrong. Mm. And to me, that is disgusting. Mm. You know, to, to to think is to live. You know, you, you can see though. <clears throat> from the point of view of the parent, 
the temptation here is because as the children grow, they do become more challenging. And parents have to think of ways of controlling them. And scaring the hits out of them mm, by telling them that... Scaring the bejesus out of them. Yeah. That was an anagram, yeah. 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 <laughs> I got it. It's a good way of doing it because, you know, if you're going to go to hell, then you better be good. And uh, so I like to think of it as in terms of, rather than indoctrination, which sounds a bit like an indictment, they're, they're inducting their children into the religion because of the, you know, do this and you're good and do that and you're bad. But it's still a means of control. I don't know whether you've stumbled across Bishop Shelby Spong, have you? Um, I've heard of him. Very, 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 very um, liberal churchman. Um, I, to be honest with you, I'm not even sure he actually is a believer, even though he is a bishop. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's, he's retired now, but he was a bishop in uh, somewhere in Massachusetts, I think. I don't think hell exists. I happen to believe in life after death, but I don't think it's got a thing to do with reward and punishment. Religion is always in the control business. Uh, and that's something people don't really understand. It's it's in the guilt-producing control business. And if you have heaven as a place where you're rewarded for your goodness and hell as a place where you're punished for your evil, then you sort of have control of the population. And so they create this fiery place, which has quite literally scared the hell out of a lot of people throughout Christian history. Mm -hmm. And it's part of a control tactic. But wait a minute, you're saying that hell, the idea of a place under the earth or somewhere where you're tormented for an eternity, is actually an invention oh, of yes. the church? I think the church fired its furnaces hotter than anybody else. <clears throat> but I think there's a sense in most religious life of, of reward and punishment in some form. The church doesn't like for people to grow up because you can't control grown-ups. That's why we talk about being born again. When you're born again, you're still a child. He's explaining how the church is in the control business, and that's why they want you to be born again, because you can't control adults, mm. so they want you to be regressed back to being a child, so yep. that under control once more. Yeah, but if they, control them, if they can control them in the first place, which is what we're talking about here. That's I, I say that as a particularly cruel form of, of, of child child abuse. You don't have to be hitting your children to, to be, be doing mm. that. Just take the Catholic Church, for example, and there are a lot of Catholic schools in the, in the UK. Uh, if you're telling your children from a very young age that they're uh, cursed with original sin, and if they do anything wrong at all, they're going to burn in hell. And I know... Uh, a lot of children who actually think this is going to happen to them, that mm. is particularly um, nasty and, and unthinking. Yeah, telling them the boogeyman's going to come and get them, but don't tell them they're going to burn in hell. Uh, and then they worry whether mummy and daddy are going to burn in hell if they do, do anything wrong. So mm. the problem uh, you have is if you're doing that from a very early age, mummy and daddy are saying this, We'll get on to the evolutionary uh, thing maybe in, a, in another podcast about why children believe what their parents say as a survival mechanism. And then they go to the same type of faith school and they're hearing there what their parents have said. So they're saying, well, mummy and daddy are right. 
they go home. What did you learn from school today? And mummy and daddy say, oh, yes, that's right. You can see how this cycle just perpetuates itself. I mean, it's um, also very, very cruel as well, because, you know, the, the, you talked about the, boog- the bogeyman, you know, the, you know the, the, this concept that you, you can tell your children the bogeyman are going to catch you if you're not good. Well, at a certain age, you can take that back. You can say, oh, I just told you that just to try and keep yeah. me in line. Or but the argument from Santa Claus. Hell. You cannot take back hell. No. Because if 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 you believe in hell, that's with you forever, and that's 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 going to that's going to burn into their brain if you pardon the expression. And yeah, so so many so many atheists um, do talk about their experiences of trying to get over the fear of hell, even as atheists. They know it's not real. They know that. They understand that. They thought their way out of it, but they are still. It has a rea- they still have a reaction to it. I mean, I don't know if you remember many years ago uh, when Richard Dawkins really burst onto the scene with his um, first of his Channel 4 documentaries um, called, uh, oh, what was it called? Uh, the End of Faith? No, not The End of Faith. It was um, the, um, oh, Root of All Evil. That's what it was called, That's Root it. of All Evil. And um, he had a psychologist there who had been brought up in one of the exclusive brethren churches. And she, she was now an atheist, and she she spent her time um, providing therapy and counselling for those that had escaped from um, from from um, those from, from, from those particular abusive um, forms of religion and those sects or cults or whatever you want to call them. And Richard asked her, you know, when 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 you think about hell, what happens? And you can almost see her face change because what, even though she knew that it's not real and she pretty much come through it, and she said, you know what? Asking that question and thinking about it, it still affects me today. Scary. When, when we spoke to, to, to Daryl Ray, again, it was another thing, you know, is, is this genuine psychological damage? Mm. And he's seen, he's seen, you know, person after person after person that have genuine psychological damage because of it. I mean, mm. it's like my, my, my friend who, who left Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, as soon as he hears something on the news, you know, like a war or, you know, the start of the COVID thing, you know, he his brain straight away went back to, and I've, I've spoken to him about this, straight away back to end of world because, you know, the JWs, they love the end of world and they keep on... Prophesying, they kept predicting it. You're missing the date. Which yeah. is, Bye. God, that's got to be a that's got to be questionable. You you got it wrong. Oh yeah, but it's not the end of the world. It's the beginning of the end of the world. That's what they say nowadays. Well, the end of the world then has been beginning for the last two thousand years. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, what we've just been t- talking about is is a form. It's a recognised form of post traumatic stress disorder mm-hmm. yes. uh, because you don't actually have to witness anything to uh, you know de- develop that. If you think you're really going to go to hell or your parents are going to go to hell and burn in hell and be tortured for all eternity, if you've been imagining that all your life, that can actually lead to a form of PTSD. Mm. Uh, that's why you know, there are lots of therapy places you can, you can go to that, that are springing up for people who are coming out of religion, but mm. they've still got this trauma. So it's... Mm. it's yeah. a, Terrible thing to do to your children. You're totally right, Embers. I mean, I I spoke to a Christian apologist like a few years ago now, and 
during the conversation we was having, he said, the, he goes, I have nothing against you, right? I've got nothing against you, but I fear that you are going to hell. And you will go to hell. If you carry on this way, you will be going to hell. And I don't want you to go to hell. And I'm just thinking, you poor sod. If that's what's in your head, seriously, if that's what's in your head, I don't even want to have a conversation anymore. I don't want to give you more stress. Mm. You know, for me, it's just a bit of fun. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> to, to argue with a theist is, is, is you know, it, you can point out all the fallacies and, you know, it's mm. very simple just to sort of see that they're, where they're going wrong and see the fallacies, you know, sort of mounting up when it, within a conversation. But to them, they actually think I'm going to hell. Yeah, it's and real that's for them. Really sad. That is really heartbreaking. Mm. Yeah, well, I think so, we should all do a podcast from there, shouldn't we? Mm, yeah. So again, com- coming back to the original point of childhood indoctrination, um, again tangents. Um, to sort of round off um, this discussion, uh, I'll ask my usual question. You know, what can we do about it? What should we do about it? Um, you know, in terms of, as a society, what should we be doing to try and stop this from happening? Because you know full well that politicians, the vast majority of them, ain't going to try and end faith schools. You know that they ain't going to be uh, trying to get the Church of England out of our secular schools. You know that politicians are not going to be doing that. So what can we do? So I, um, I don't think we we can do anything on society. The only thing we can do is to highlight what the issue is, and hopefully, uh, theist parents will start just thinking, taking one step back, and thinking: Am I doing something which is going to harm my child mm. for, for the whole of their lives? Yeah. I mean, not, again, not, this isn't something which is, you know, like a, um, a a little psychological slap on the wrist. No, this, this is a real psychological kicking they're going to give them over over many, many, many years. And I just so I I think the only thing that we can do is to highlight the issue. I think we can we can um, talk about it as much as we possibly can. And 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 but my only hope is that a theist parent will will just stand back for a second and go. Am I actually doing the right thing? Am I pushing them into something which could possibly psychologically damage my child? Because even if I was, if I was, uh, you know, a, a practicing Catholic, for instance, um, I'd have to really, really think twice about putting this concept of things like hell into their head. Because what did it do to me? If I, you know, I'd, I'd look at myself. I would, I'd, I'd say, "What, what does that? Do, what has that actually done for me? What has that psychologically helped me?" Because I don't think that many. If you talk to many people who are, who are sort of quite staunch Catholics, uh, who actually believe in hell, they it is a terrifying prospect. It doesn't mean they do any any more good than anybody else. Mm. But again, if you genu- if you genuinely believe that hell is real. One of the, as, as you know, going back to what we said before, you know, you are going to put yourself through the ringer if you don't tell your kids about it. If you don't indoctrinate your kids to ensure that they believe it as well. Because as you say, they genuinely believe that hell is real. We treat it as, you know, we've treated, we treat the cons, very concept 
um, pretty much as a joke now. But for them, it's really real. And they're actually going to do more psychological damage to themselves if they don't try to indoctrinate their children because they're going to think their children are going to be going to hell. It's a win-win for the church, really. It's a win-win uh, for the church. And, and, uh, if, you and do I think, tell, if you do tell someone, you're going to psychologically damage someone. If you, if you don't tell someone, you're going to psychologically damage yourself. Well done, yeah. church. Well done, church. That's a really moral thing to do. Yeah. Go on, Rich. Yeah. No, no, no. Go. Okay, so there's not, not much we can do about, about parents. Uh, parents, you know, are you know, fairly free to bring up their children as, as they, they see fit within the, the realms of the law. Uh, the things that we have problems with in, in the UK are all based historically, obviously, but with the ancient and well-outdated 1994 Education Act, which still requires schools to um, conduct uh, an act of collective worship, which is... 1964. Christian ethos. So yeah. uh, that, that's one problem. And a lot of schools are still providing religious education or religious instruction. Now, there's a big difference between schools and uh, some schools do this and some schools don't. Some just uh, give instruction about religious education about the contents of the Bible, the, the scripture, and others do it and proselytise at the same time. Now, there's a big difference between those those two. So if children are learning about uh, scripture or maybe comparative religions... Yes. At, In fact, at comparative, relig comparative religions are a great, great doorway out of religion because by doing those comparisons, you can see the similarities, the differences, and you can see how ridiculous they all are. Yeah, and you know, the politicians stop allowing faith schools to... Be built and funded just mm. stop it it it's it's ridiculous hashtag uh, in faith schools yeah and there are other campaigns gone gone on with this but they, they just will not listen uh, guys i think that's a that's a, a good spot to end it thanks embers for that to sort of in, encapsulate the concept uh, as well as you did there because i think it was probably easier than most of us talking about it for the next half hour um so yeah if you if you like what we're talking about today and you fancy uh, subscribing to this channel uh then help us out by subscribing we can spread the word a little bit better uh if you don't like what we're saying then let us know if you like what we're saying let us know uh whatever your thoughts are we'd love to know them and uh, so ask, ask the questions talk about it make comments uh underneath Ooh. the podcast we'll answer them as well as they come up um but until next time like I say, thanks very much for everybody coming on board and uh, we'll see you next time. See you later. Bye. Bye. Well, thanks for joining us today and don't forget to click that like button. Also, make a comment and of course, subscribe to the channel. We'll see you next time.